welcome to the Morning Skate Podcast. I am Matt Moody, joined by DJ Mitchell to cover the Wednesday, October 11th NHL Daily Fantasy Slate. Uh, DJ, we are recording this uh, during the second intermission of the Nashville-Tampa game on Tuesday evening. Uh, so, you know, can't really say much about how open, opening at night's going, but how are you feeling? And uh, are you ready for our first, you know, six games late of the year? Getting Getting larger, getting into the swing of things as the season unfolds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> things are fine early. It, you know, it's fun. Hockey's back. It was pretty good. Uh, definitely. You know, I actually, you know what, I'm going to tell you a quick story, I guess. Uh, my TV was like kind of acting weird. I got like, uh, I thought my Amazon stick was just not working anymore. It's a bit of an older TV. And then I got a Roku and that won't work either. And I think, I think like you can't have too old of a TV anymore to like work on these devices. So I had to like dig through my closet and find an old TV and that worked. So I was panicking to start and now I'm buying a new TV. So wait, you dug out an older TV to find out that it wasn't the age of the TV that mattered. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I don't think it's older or it, it might be. It's just a lot smaller. It's like a 65 inch down to like a 32 inch TV. And so what do you think went wrong here? Wait, hold on. Uh, the, okay, 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 okay. I'll, I'll tell you. I will tell you. Okay, okay. don't rush. I'm very it's interested. The H, HDCP or something, it's like the high definition copyright, blah, blah, blah. And I guess all these, I don't really know. That's why I looked it up. And it basically was like, yeah, you can get around it. Just try a new HDMI cord. And I tried like three and then I'm just, I, I don't think it works anymore. Like just straight up this TV. And then someone's like, oh yeah, it's like a a thing they install in these new devices that's like a if it's not updated properly so i never thought in a million years this was actually going to work i was like all right well, i'm gonna go try this and it's not gonna work can't wait but it did so i was i missed the first like i was i was like listening on my phone as i was frantically trying to set up a tv so you tried it on an older tv to find I don't out really, you need I don't, to get a new I tv i don't know the age of the tv i don't okay but okay. like the the TV, the TV <laughs> is certainly old, and it certainly didn't work. But wait, I thought you said it worked now. Well, the, the little TV worked. The big TV, the little TV is newer. I don't know, but probably it or okay. whatever something in it's better, or else it just the old does, TV is like the HDMI imports broken. I don't know. Yeah, I tried does the other ports. TV work with like your Switch? Yes, it does. Okay. That's that's very strange. Well, uh, while DJ is out here buying another 65 inch TV because he can't figure out how to update his switch or, or his fire stick or something. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, Wednesday night hockey. What do you say? OK, I'm in. <laughs> All right. Thank you for humoring me there. Um, so uh, we have a pretty decent slate again on uh, Wednesday evening. Uh, hence why you're getting a Wednesday podcast. If you're new around here, typically we're only going to record uh, Tuesdays, Thursdays. Uh, we tend to make exceptions for the NBA All-Star break. Um, there's a couple, you know, weird slates in there that we might make exceptions for, like, you know, Black Friday we've done in the past, um, things like that. But, you know, generally we're a Tuesday, Thursday show. Um, a couple of housekeeping notes um, to further that point. Uh, we are looking at a 50k to first 333 uh, top shelf uh, contest, uh, 667 entries for a non-premier like NHL contest and high stakes is actually pretty damn impressive. Uh, it's, it's really cool. Uh, we have our first Fantasy Hockey World Championship qualifier on uh, Wednesday night. It's uh, 68 people. Uh, 432 entry fee. The first place gets 25k. That's the value of the ticket for this year. Um, so I actually texted my rep about this, and unfortunately, it reached a lobby before I could share my insider info. Uh, but he did confirm that it is 40 qualifiers, and the seats are worth 20k apiece. Rather interesting that this year they're not giving away, you know, the pittance to second and third place, um, like they have in past years. Um, so, you know, it's even more top heavy than usual. Be prepared to burn a lot of your bankroll if you are chasing it. <laughs> Me. Um, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, and so I asked him to let me know about, you know, when the weekend was and, you know, can we maybe not do it on a Sunday because the, the, the live final experience last year was so shitty with no late swap at the live finals uh, and so on. 
Um, but you know, just wanted to share that because you know, I don't know where else would I share it other than Discord or Twitter. Um, but for you uh, smaller stakes folks, there's also a nice fifteen dollar twenty five k to first. It's a hundred and twenty five k prize pool, so it's actually a relatively flat payout structure. So you know you're still getting twenty five k up top, but you're also not getting you know you're getting ten k for second rather than like you know five k like some of these contests uh, tend to be, where you're just getting you know punch in the gut for second. Um, and there's a couple decent smaller you know smaller contests to a forty dollar with five k up top you know decent stuff for hockey um, especially on a non Tuesday and Thursday so um, oh and a new contest I wanted to point out the nine dollar twenty max beauty um, it's uh, so guaranteed two x min cash it's a nine dollar entry fee and again it's twenty max so it's slightly larger than your four dollar four check um, that you might be able to see. In the lobby, I'm honestly not sure if it's there or if I'm just blocked from it because of my whatever, like the, you know, the, the entry fees uh, you're limited in. Um, so but that's a neat contest. Check it out. You know, it's not huge, but if we fill it, maybe that's the sort of contest. If you're interested in something 20 max ish for a bit larger than, you know, but not a 150 max $15, maybe that's the sort of contest for you. So scroll down and check it out. Uh, anyway, DJ, um, during that, anything else you want to add? Have you seen anything on underdog or do you want to get into the betting corner for today? Yeah, underdog things are filling. I actually uh, was queuing up some drafts for the, the late the late nighter right now. And I was just uh, finishing finishing some of those up real quickly while we got started. Um, but those contests are, are moving. Like I know last year it was sort of one of those things where sometimes you'd load in and you'd be like, man, like I really don't want to wait around for a little while for like, you know, to get like 10 or 12 in they're kind of flying off the shelves. Um, so hopefully we keep filling the contest will get larger. Um, they definitely scaled it up a little bit, but we're hoping for a little bit more um, betting corner wise. I'm going to plan on doing something again tomorrow. I thought it was pretty fun today. Just doing like a bit of a stream again. Um, and I'll take a look. Uh, I didn't actually pull it up yet. Did you pull it up at all or no? Uh, pull what up? Like uh, does DraftKings have anything up? Is it up for tomorrow? You mean the betting lines? Yeah. Uh, I can pull it up right now. Let's see. Okay. I I have like yes, one I have one draft remaining. Okay. Okay. All right. Can, All right. Can you, can you do it really quick? Yeah. I'll get there. Wow. I get to do the betting corner. Wow. Uh, I, just I just sure. for a minute. Just for. I'll, I'll okay. come over. I'll come over. I have one draft oh, left. Okay, so uh, leading things off, we have Montreal and Toronto. Toronto installed is a nearly minus 300 favorite. Uh, no love given to the uh, Habitants, if you will. Um, so expect Toronto to be relatively popular there. Uh, we have Carolina minus 205 hosting the Ottawa Senators. Um you know, we confirmed no Svechnikov, no Norris for those two teams. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the ramifications. Uh, we have Chicago at Boston. Chicago on a road back-to-back after opening up the season in uh, Pittsburgh. Um, this game is, I believe, a 7.30 start. So technically Chicago's playing, you know, back-to-back with a little bit of a time difference. They're playing at 8 o'clock tonight and then 7.30 tomorrow. I keep an eye on that stuff, whether it's 24 hours or 23 hours between games probably doesn't mean a ton. Um, but, you know, there, there might be a little bit of uh, an extra edge there on the Bruins, but they're a minus 300 favorite. So, you know, that is what it is. Um, Edmonton at Vancouver, Edmonton, a road favorite minus 160. Uh, we have some interesting Edmonton lineup configurations, um, some Vancouver question marks. So, um, you know, something of interest there. Final two games, Winnipeg at Calgary. Nick Ehlers seems to return to the lineup. We'll talk a bit how he slots in for Winnipeg. Uh, Colorado at LA, finally, with uh, True Pickham. Minus 110 on each side. Uh, LA going to be without Arthur Kaliev. Potentially going to be without Victor Arvidsson, too. So a lot of moving pieces. Um, some interesting value for LA. Um, DJ. Did I give you enough time to finish your drafts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no player props are up yet, so nothing really there. I think, like, at first glance, I'm kind of interested in – I think I'm going to be interested in Winnipeg tomorrow. I don't want to get too carried away yet. Um, it's a road, you know, road dog, but I like the Jets, and I really like Hellebuck. Um, 
Yeah, other than that, I mean, maybe Colorado, honestly, but we'll get to LA and stuff. But there's nothing that's crazy stand out yet. I'm kind of um, waiting for some of these props to, to populate before I get everything done. I like to try to search for the best total thing and instead of just saying like, oh, I'll just settle for this. Okay. Yeah, the, uh, the the Colorado LA is is actually kind of interesting as a true pick Um, I, yeah. there's a lot of uh, like there's a lot of uncertainty on the LA front, you know, uh, with just who they're bringing into the lineup and how they're going to fare. Um, I want to say there was some uh, roster like salary cap gymnastics too they had to go through. So um, I'll review that quick to see if there's any other takeaways that maybe uh, you know they couldn't practice appropriately today or something as a result of those salary cap gymnastics. Um, but you know, seeing them as a pick them basically it sort of tells me that Vegas is not high on Colorado this year relative to LA, um, which you know to me is. Uh, kind of interesting. Um, maybe that's just because they're aware that Ryan Johansson and Jonathan Juin in the top six is not good for any NHL team. Um, but maybe the McKinnon Ranson and stuff, you know, goes a bit lower than expected because their implied team total isn't going to be as high as it will be um, in most cases where Colorado's likely to be a favorite this year. So, yeah, uh, as Parson in scores as well, we uh, transition <laughs> to and the- Yossi scores. We're back to the holy crap, really? Uh, well, looks like it might be called back for goalie interference, but in any case, um, oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yes. live sweating on the Morning Skate Pod that you're listening to Man. after all the games are done. Okay, yeah, so let's get to the next slate. Um, bets will be posted tomorrow, as always. Um, yeah, it do wait, do you want to go position by position or game by game? I actually I didn't ask. I think we should go game by game, uh, just because okay. you know there's a lot of team level news to discuss. Um, there's an interesting element on this slate where three of the games are at seven. Well, one's at seven thirty, the other two at seven, and then there's three more at ten o'clock. Um, so it's another sort of uh, decent late slate type slate. Um, there obviously will be showdown contests and whatnot. It doesn't look quite as uh, juicy as uh, Tuesday nights like showdown slates uh, were concerned, but still not bad. You know, five k to first in the three game late slate in the mid dollar GPP. Um, and 2K to first in the Colorado LA showdown. Um, mm. So, you know, there's stuff worth paying attention to as we dive into some of the minutia of some of these teams as well. Um, All right. You want to just start right with uh, Ottawa at Carolina as it's in order yeah. on DraftKings. Um, so, sure. yeah, I'll bring this over if you're ready, unless if there's anything else. Go ahead. So, yeah, uh, Speshnikov will not play. It That is 100%. I would say 95% Norris won't play maybe to a hundred, but he is traveling. I guess it sounds like it's incredibly unlikely he's going to play, but they're also saying he's not going on long-term injured reserve. So it sounds like he's, they're going to go with him to start the year at some point, but that almost leads me to think they could be 11 and seven. Um, so keep an eye on that for Ottawa for sure. As they practice with, uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it, they could just start another forward, but just keep an eye on it. Anyways, um, power to play was Aho bunting Jarvis Burns D'Angelo for your Hurricanes, which would mean Nachos is on the second unit with Tara Vinan and Orloff. So, and, and Kakaniemi. Um, so that is like line one and line two, exactly, um, with various defensemen and I guess Nosen for uh, Carolina. So, yeah, perfect correlation there. Um, anything on Carolina's side you wanted to mention before getting deeper into Ottawa? No, um, well, I mean, I guess, I guess, yes, because looking at the pricing, like, I mean, Koki and Yami really broke out in a big way toward the end of last year. Um, he didn't quite have the playoff run that you might have expected, you know, based on that sort of late stage breakout. But um, late in the year, he was really, really good for Carolina. Um, you know, he was shooting a bunch. He was even getting involved with some blocks, um, you know, late in the year. So, he at 4Ks is immediately rel- kind of interesting. Uh, you'll notice about this slate that there's a lot of mispriced value. Um, so like even though McDavid's, you know, almost 10K, Pasternak's almost 10K, um, there's still ways to fit those guys in, you know, pretty pain-free. Um, so like, you know, Kokinami, it probably isn't on the top of that list. But when you consider he and, you know, Dmitry Orlov at 3,400, um, like those are two pieces I think that could go a long way toward making stuff work. Um, so, well, I think Aho is, you know, a fine play, um, Aho plus 
Jarvis is 12,000. Like add on Burns or D'Angelo, both of those guys are, you know, differently expensive, but I think too expensive for what they offer. Um, like I'm just not that interested on the top end of Carolina, but you, I could be convinced with some value, you know, but maybe not playing Nachos, but saying, oh, Nachos is on that second unit. It's going to be, you know, pretty effective as a result of that. And maybe Kokanyemi and Orlov are the two guys who sort of just pay off their cheap salaries with a couple points or whatever. Um, so I like Carolina for some value. Um, but relatively speaking, I'm not that interested in this game. So if you want to highlight Ottawa, I'll go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not that all that interested in this game, honestly. And it, it definitely an Ottawa team I'm very intrigued by. Uh, first power play, hold on, oh my God, it literally just, okay, is Shabbat, the Chuck, Stutzel, Giroux, and Batherson. At least that's what they ran in practice. And I know I want to sit here and, and take a small victory lap, even though I totally capitulated back to Chikrin. Um I don't really know if I buy it all that much. I, I was kind of messing with you earlier with the tweet. Like I bet they're going to kind of go back and forth between the two. Um, that puts the second unit though with Sanderson, Chikrin, Tarasenko, Kubalik, and Greg, because they will not have Shane Pinto. He's still not signed, um, which does put Greg, Batherson, Joseph at line two, um, Suitsil, Giroux, the Chuck line one. But yeah, I don't think that's where I'm going to be putting all my salary cap. Uh, but I know Ridley Greg is a guy that has – been able to play and he has minimum salary so did want to kind of just point him out a little bit more where it's like if Shane Pinto was minimum salary I think we'd be like oh wow like gotta really consider that and I don't know if it, I mean like he's not quite Shane Pinto's level but I don't think Ridley Greg is useless so I didn't want to mention that yeah I'm I'm almost more thinking uh like Kubalik is more interesting at 2600 at Wang um but, you know, both of those guys are certainly in play mm-hmm. as far as, like, total punts are concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially if the Sens go of 11 forwards, uh, we sort of will need to do the counting of, like, how many of those are centers and how many of those are wingers. Um, just because, you know, there's a chance that um, some of these, I think some of the wings might play a bit more. Um, you know, I- I'm not fully sure on uh, Parker Kelly or uh, this Castellich character on the fourth line. Um, but, you know, maybe it's maybe both those guys are playing wing and we're going to see Stutzla, uh, Greg and Chartier just play a bunch. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's tough going without Josh Norris and Shane Pinto as, you know, any team would be able to attest to. Um, so, you know, I'm keeping an eye on it. I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, jumping for joy at any of these plays, especially with compared to some of the later uh, options we have, but uh, names to keep in mind for sure. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the defense power play stuff. It's really expensive for Ottawa in any case. Um, maybe if you're betting on, you know, Carolina's shot volume, getting Chabot to the blocks bonus or something, like maybe that's um, defensible. But I don't really see a ton here that I'm like uh, all that interested in. So I'm good to move on if you are. Yeah, yeah, definitely can move on. Um, yeah, next we have Montreal at Toronto. Uh, after a lot of talk of, man, Nylander's going to be line three center, they decided to go with Mitten and move Nylander back to line two with Tavares and Max Domi. The power play is going to look just as you expected, except if you expected Morgan Riley instead of John Klingberg looks like Klingberg will go back to that first power play unit. So that is of note. Um, he's 3,200. I imagine if he is hundred percent in, which I, I guess I'm expecting, he could be pretty popular, especially with those Toronto stacks. I guess I'll just say I'm pretty interested in that Tavares Nylander. Um, it seems a little bit too cheap. Um, and I know that Matthews and Marner and I mean, Austin Matthews, 9,400. He's fantastic. He can break any slate. I'm, I think I might go a little bit the other way on it. I don't know if I'm going to play Klingberg or not with it, but I really like that second line. And I also just like bringing it back a ton with this guy. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of him, Cole Caulfield. If you can't find him, it's because he's 42 freaking hundred on the first slate of the year. Um, and it just, I, it, it just, oh man, feels so right. And yet I do think 4,200 Cole Caulfield could get some ownership. So with everything I just said, um, I kind of talked about the whole game in general. What yeah. are you thinking about everything I said and anything you want to add? I think if you want to stack Toronto, that John Klingberg is uh, going to be almost a necessity. Uh, I just, 
3,200 allows you to do a lot defensively. And I understand he was like kind of bad last year, whatever, but the dude still put pucks on net. Like this is a guy who was regularly above the league average for defensemen as far as shot attempts. Like he, he didn't really lose that last year. Like he lost a very small amount of it. Um, you know, I'll grant you that, but the only reason he was like so derided last year was because one, he just sort of lost his role in, you know, uh, Anaheim and then didn't really get one in Minnesota outside of a couple games. Um, but two, it was like his defensive play that was uh lackluster. So like, I think the 3,200 price tag is a little bit disrespectful for a dude at the helm of uh, probably one of the best power plays in the NHL. Um, Mitch Marner, Willie Nylander, Tavares, they're all underpriced, you know, obviously Matthews at 9,400 is, you know, uh, it's up there with the McDavid. So it's hard to say he's, uh, underpriced, but, um, it's very affordable when you consider, you know, what you're able to stack around Matthews. You're not really paying through the nose on these secondary Toronto pieces like you probably will be, you know, later on in the season. So, uh, jumping on this spot right away, I think is good. Um, but I would just not be afraid of John Klingberg if you're doing that because he's almost certain to get there if Toronto puts up four to five goals, um, you know, and he can do that via a variety of methods. He's not a point-only player um, despite some of his, uh, you know, reputation in DFS circles. So, uh, yeah, Toronto, I mean, Montreal, <laughs> uh, yeah, Caulfield's price is an absolute joke. Um, Josh Anderson was on the top line today in practice. Uh, he's, I mean, like Nick Suzuki, 5,500, you're probably just not playing him. Like I would imagine he gets steamed up a bit as the optimizers jam in Cole Caulfield uh, at his projection. So like, I would not be surprised to see Suzuki like more owned than you think he should be. Um, But I don't, I also don't think I'm playing Josh Anderson either. I know he's 2,600, but they've, they've tried so many dudes on that top line just in training camp. Um, I think this is guy number six. Um, maybe five, and we're not counting Kirby Doc, who was there a ton last year as well. Um, but we've literally seen Newhook, uh, Monahan, uh, Harvey Pinard, and now Anderson. So, like, yeah, and I think we've even seen Yelonen, um, but I'm not even sure who's with the team. So, in any case, I think Josh Anderson's grip on that job is very, very tenuous. I'm much more inclined to play Caulfield as a one off, use the value, hope little goals boy gets the goal. And move on to a different game. Uh, Mike Matheson, fifty five hundred. No thanks. Give me, you know, give me John Klingberg for two K cheaper. Very fair point. Yeah, I know. I was thinking, man. Hopefully that stack is and yeah, fifty five is just a little bit, a little bit too rich. Um, I think you covered everything I said plus a lot more. So I don't really have anything to add there. I can move cool. over to Chicago, Boston, if you're ready. Do it. So Chicago is, uh, you know, ha- has yet to drop the puck yet on the season. Bedard, regardless, got a little more expensive, I believe, at 7,700 now. Uh, Taylor Hall, 5K. Donato, so the whole line before, you know, anything goes up in price. Donato, 3,600, that is. Um, I, yeah, I can't really find myself any scenario where I'm going back to the Blackhawks, but it does feel like Bedard could be, you know, incredibly low-owned. And um, unless if he absolutely dominates the Penguins tonight, like if he goes for four goals or something, I mean, who knows? But at this point, before the puck drops, drops um i don't think that'll be very high owned and i think a lot of people could pivot over to boston because you know zaka seems on that top power play and posternock even though he's 9700 it just feels like it could be affordable um so yeah that's kind of my initial lean is the you know zaka posternock being interesting but what do you think um i think the angle that i'm most interested to see how uh how it shakes out is what the Boston power play looks like as far as like what their, um, I guess what their goal is on the, on the actual power play. Um, because in the past it's largely gone through Brad Marchand stick, um, where like, obviously Pasternak is their elite weapon, but because Bergeron was a right-hand shot, um, because he was so good in the bumper and he and Marchand played so well off of one another, it was very common to see, Marchand sort of holding the puck and then feeding it to, you know, bumping it over to Bergeron who bumps it back and then hitting the cross seam like that. Now that Zaka is going to be playing the quote unquote Bergeron role, um, I think it's going to flow more through Pasternak, which, you know, it's hard to say Pasternak could be better than he was last year, but um, hey, Pasternak could literally be better than he was last year, just as a result of being slightly more involved on the power play. 
uh, given his propensity to shoot at five on five, you know, to create offense, um, given the matchup, I mean, this team's going to be tired. They're already terrible defensively. Um, there's almost no way in my mind that Pasternak fails. So, um, you know, obviously it's very hard to pick between the Matthews, Pasternak, McDavid uh, type uh, plays because they're all so good. Um, but man, Pasternak, I, I think honestly might have the edge for me. Um, and I really, you know, I would of course play it with Pavel Zaka, which isn't going to be a surprise. It's going to be very popular to do that, but, um, you know, that's who I would try to force in over like JVR and McAvoy if I had to pick two. So, uh, give me a lot of pasta. I'm not that into Marchand, Coil, the Brusque. Um, it's probably going to be lower owned, but you know, uh, it just doesn't really make it move with DeBrusque up at 6,100. Um, I, I think that there's a bit more downside in in them than paying you know 14 or 13k for Marchand, DeBrusque. Okay, yeah, no, I again, I think we're in agreement there. So, um, not not a ton to add because yeah, no, I I think that um. I, I think that there's going to be other ways to get unique. Like even if you did start with, which I've alluded to a potential build of mine, right? Like it's Tavares, Nylander, Caulfield. I think you could probably find a way to still get Zaka and Pasternak in a build, I assume. Um, and that could end up being somewhat popular, you know, just because it kind of fits so nicely. But even if you did do that, which again, I'm kind of alluding to, that's a bit of a plan I'm, I'm coming up with already. There's, you know, a lot of defense to get unique on. And maybe there's some guys and punts that we haven't talked about yet. This is called good podcast hosting. We're, we're going to get to these great punts yeah. that are coming up next. Um, sure. So um, move over to Winnipeg. Well, Calgary. I mean, a, a couple of Chicago notes. Um, oh, who cares? You know, they stink. I'm keeping a close eye on the usages on Tuesday night of both Ryan Donato. Uh, he's 3,600 now. So it's very important that he plays like 18 minutes, at least if you want to play him on this slate, given all the options around his price tag. Um, but I'm also interested in Corey Perry at 2,500. Like, is he going to play, you know, 10, 11 minutes because he's a fourth line grinder on this team? Or like, is he sort of like a heart and soul third liner who just so happens to be net front on a power play featuring Connor Bedard and Seth Jones and Taylor Hall? Like, you know, minimum salary for that is actually in play if he's getting, say, 15 minutes um, as a projection. So obviously what happens in a one game sample size won't tell everything. Um, but I'm at least keeping an eye on Corey Perry's usage, because if he creeps into like the 14, 15 minute range on Tuesday, I think he's actually in play just because we have a lot of good values, but I don't think we have a ton of pure minimum salary values. And I, Corey Perry would be on the top of that list with his power play one role. So, you know, just something I'm keeping an eye on Tuesday and we'll update in the discord um, Wednesday morning, probably. Okay. Yeah. So now Winnipeg and go for it. Calgary. Uh, so yeah, Winnipeg resigns Shapley and Hellebuck in the middle of the night when no one's awake to see it. Um, Kind of feel like vibes are back. And this Winnipeg team does feel really cheap, like Shrafley 6,100, Connor 6,700, um, Filardi 4,300, all power play one correlated with Josh Morrissey, who is cheaper than Mike Matheson at 5,300. So I do think that, again, there's value and there's also just a lot of stacks that are uh, priced. Uh, so it's easy to afford them and play them, might be the way to put it. And if you're like, you know, trying to get cheaper, the entire second line of Perfetti, Ehlers, and Niederreiter are also power play two correlated, it sounds like. Um, they'll be with a defenseman that, is it Sandberg or something? I don't freaking know. Oh, uh, Pionk. Pionk. It'll be Pionk and Schmidt on the top or second power play. Schmidt, right. That's the guy. Um, so, yeah, Winnipeg feels underpriced, but it's nothing crazy. I do think there's value in quite a few of those guys, like Filardi. 4,300 seems a bit cheap and Connor 67 seems really, really cheap, but really where I think a lot of ownership might end up is on Coronado. who We have been steaming all off season. He is three K power play one and line two with Nazem Kadri 5,700 Nazem Kadri. That is. So yeah, uh, feels like this game has a lot of value for sure. And I, I'm interested. Color me intrigued. Um, yeah, it's hard. It's hard to uh, hard to dispute that on the uh, Calgary side. You know, uh, 
I mean, just you're kind of covering both teams, so I kind of feel obligated to cover both teams. Um, sure. As far as pong- ping-ponging around uh, this this slate when we go game by game, but um, I I think Gabe Velarde is going to go a bit overlooked. You know, Kyle Connor, 6,700. It's a bit of like a lost range, I think, just because it's so easy to make the case for why Pasternak, Matthews, McDavid are, you know, going to be popular there's only so much salary to go around. And when you consider, you know, you're probably stacking around those pieces as well. Like you're paying, you know, a decent penny. You're probably not getting up to, you know, Shifley, Connor and uh, Velarde. I don't think Mark Shifley is like necessary. Um, he's, he's a very hit or miss type player. I think I would try to get him in if I were to play Cal Connor and Velarde. Um, but just, you know, reminder that Gabe Velarde is like a former first rounder, he dealt with a ton of significant injuries, including back injuries, um, during his sort of like uh, like growth as a prospect. So you know he was drafted in 2017, but he didn't really have the same sort of uh, like development that other players did around his same age. And he really showed up last year and was great for LA. Um, so you know he's sort of an interesting case of like, yeah, he probably didn't break out when we would expect like a true star to break out. Um, but there's some contextual factors as to why that was the case. Um, so I'm very, very interested to see like what he can do alongside Kyle Connor. I mean, hell, if Kyle Connor can shed, you know, <laughs> Blake Wheeler and move on to uh, Gabe Velarde, like, yeah, that's that's pretty great. So um, I'm very interested in the top line. Again, not sure if I'll get there in like one lineup, you know, if I'm just rolling one on Wednesday night. Um but it's it's at least in my uh, pool of consideration. Um, so we'll we'll see how ownership and whatnot are, are looking um, in Calgary. I don't know really what more to say about uh, Coronado. I, I said a lot of it in the preseason. Um, so who did you say he was lined up with at five on five? I sort of blacked out when I saw he was on the top power play. Uh, hold on. Pull that back up. Sorry, kind of bouncing around right now. It was Coronado, Kadri, Sharon Govich. Okay, cool. Um, Say, saying his name right this year. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, you're right. We're off to a hot close. Start. I was. I literally, my brain was saying it wrong, and I was like, huh. "No, <laughs> I got this." Okay, back to you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Matt Coronado uh, coming out of uh, Harvard. He was, I think, yes. Boston. Okay, whatever. Um, but in college, he was absolutely electric. Um, this guy was regularly on top of the NCA as far as shots are concerned. Um, you know, he impressed in the preseason as well. If you just search his name and you'll see clips left and right of his rocket of a shot in uh, preseason games, on the power play, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so him getting that chance on the top power play is very useful. You know, reminder, anytime you're on a power play of Jonathan Huberdo, you can basically condense the pool of shots, you know, by by a factor of one, because Jonathan Huberdo basically doesn't shoot. Um, you know, Rasmus Anderson's not going to soak up a ton of volume. Gone is Tyler Toffoli, another guy who would soak up volume. Um, so yeah, Kadri's going to be there. He's going to take a lot of shots. But again, you know, you stack Coronado with Kadri, you kind of solve that problem. Um, but like Elias Lindholm's not creating a ton of shots for himself either. So I think Coronado's in a great spot. Um, just as far as like the, the situation for him to actually showcase his shooting talent, his shooting ability, his shooting propensity that he displayed, like in the minors, uh, well, in the NCA more specifically. Um, I'm really excited about it. So him and Kadri, I think, are going to be rather popular. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I haven't steamed up Coronado enough um, to the point where people would pay attention. But I think it's something to uh, you know, consider playing even into considerable ownership just because the fact I think Kadri is going to be a bit underappreciated this year. Um, you know, I mentioned it on some best puck streams, but this dude was like top 20 in the league in shot attempts per 60 last year. Like that is my holy grail of a DFS statistic, just because, you know, shot volume is so important to DFS. And when he correlates with one of my favorite breakout prospects of the year, uh, you know, slam dunk, make it against Winnipeg, who I kind of think sucks, you know, even better. So uh, let's see it. Okay. Yeah, no, all good. All, all right. good. Um, awesome. Yeah, I think I think we covered that pretty well. Uh, are you ready to move on to 
whatever the next game is now. Sorry, I'm bouncing back and forth because the game that's on right now is just absolutely exploding in front of our eyes. Um, yes. Whatever the it next has, game is. It has gone supernova. It is uh, Colorado <laughs> and LA. So Here we go. Um, well, I, I got Colorado. It, I got okay, go ahead. Yeah, so <laughs> Colorado <laughs> comes into this game. Um, like we said, it's a, it's a true pick em. McKinnon, Druin, Rantanen, um, I think is expected, but Druin was not on the first power play, um, which I thought was the least interesting because it kind of seemed like they really were trying that. And uh, I guess they decided that wasn't going to fly. Um, so pulling that back up again, the full unit was. Uh, Lekin and Johansson with those yes. three. God, there's so many retweets I have here. Yes, that is correct. So Drew and McKinnon ranted at five on five, but Drew not the first power play. Uh, but neither is Dertushkin on the first power play. So interesting there. Um, this McKinnon Rantanen is pretty expensive, but 7,400 Miko Rantanen seems like, again, one of the cheapest we're going to see it all season, along, right around with uh, Kyle Connor um, and, and some others. So that that feels really good. Um, Georgia will start. On the LA side, uh, it the top line is as expected should be Kopitar, Byfield, and Kempe. We get uh, PLD with Fiala and say it again, uh, Laferriere. Laferriere, yeah, yeah, Laferriere, um, who's minimum salary should be on the second power play. Now there is, I guess, a chance. No, I don't think it's going to change anything for that. I think that line's pretty solidified. Uh, we don't know for sure on Arvidsson yet, so keep an eye on that. Just keep an eye on that game in general, you know, 10 p.m. If you have a lot of, uh, you know, stuff left, I bet a lot of people, like, let's just say you need a pivot play because your lineup is not doing very well. If Arvidsson's in, I bet it'll be pretty low owned at 5,500 and on the third line, but we don't know yet. But that could also lead to like an 11 and 7 situation. Um, So, yeah, about to keep an eye on. Um, I think that Ranton and Price is super, super intriguing. And McKinnon at 9,200 should be. Uh, paired with him quite nicely. I, I kind of like this Colorado side a decent bit as a pivot play because I just I don't think it's going to be overly popular, especially with how many stacks we've talked about that I think will be popular. Like something's going to have to give on ownership. And I think Posternock is going to be more jammed in. Uh, you know, I think Matthews could be more jammed in because of the matchup rather than a guy like McKinnon. And we know how explosive him and Rantan could be at five on five and on the power play. So that's probably my main note here and what I'm looking into. Yeah. Um, I, I do agree. Uh, McKinnon's going to come in lower owned, you know, to what extent that is, I'm, I'm, you know, I couldn't tell you, but um, there's certainly a equilibrium point because I do think McKinnon's just a tangibly worse play. Um, and, you know, I'm also an anti McKinnon sort of bias, uh, you know, a person as well. So I'm not, exactly the best person to 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 go to uh for this but before we sort of talk about how i want to attack colorado i think there's something pretty important in la and that's gonna be the price of pierre-luc dubois i mean um you know it's it's hard to miss his price at 3500 um but if he um you know so if arvidson misses dubois is uh a a jam it in lock type piece, I think, just because there's going to be so many more minutes to go around with basically condensing the team into two lines instead of three with no Arvidsson. Um, at least how I see it playing out. And then the power play role too. Like that's just, you know, locked in. If Arvidsson misses, if Arvidsson plays, I don't think people will move off of Dubois because he's 3,500 and he's probably going to project really well despite being on the power play too. Um, and that I'm a little bit more nervous about. And I think if I were doing it, I would be playing Dubois with uh, Laferriere. And that's because, you know, similar to Coronado, um, Laferriere doesn't quite have the draft capital. Uh, Coronado, I think, was a uh, maybe number 11, but he won the first round in uh, a few years back, whether it was 2019 or 2020, I don't have in front of me. Um, but Laferriere went 83. Um, I'm looking at it in the 2020 draft, he also played at Harvard and he actually had more shots per game than Coronado did. And like Coronado obviously is a better prospect, all things considered, I think, but Laferriere also showed up in the preseason was very, very good. And he's going to be 2,500. 
So if you're leaning into this like Dubois type chalkiness without the slam dunk power play one role for Dubois, I think Leferriere is a great way to sort of leverage off of, uh, you know, some ownership there. It also will allow you to play, you know, maybe multiple of McDavid and Pasternak or something like that, just to sort of uh, give you a true stars and scrubs type approach. Um, so I'm going to be watching that very closely. Hopefully we get some inclination in morning skate for LA as opposed to, you know, at nine o'clock uh, we find out and you got to scramble with your lineups already locked in. Um, but I think that's pretty interesting. So anything that you want to expand upon on LA before I touch on Colorado? No, no, I, I really, I, I'm good. Okay. I think I just, like I have the three man stack with Picard as something okay. I penciled into my, my cool. mix, but I'm not really getting too crazy. All right. And uh, I think if, uh, you know, in case you somehow missed it, you might have mentioned this, DJ, but Kaliev is suspended. Uh, that's why he's not playing. So, oh, like, uh, yeah, I feel like that was like implied maybe that I never mentioned yeah. him in the top nine. But yeah, um, yeah. thank you for um, explicitly. Once Kaliev returns, we will be windmilling, slam dunking him into our lineups at 2600. But, you know, there's a big red out thing. So it's not like you're going to play him, but he is suspended for a couple of games, which is why we're sort of uh, dealing with some chaos uh, here on the Colorado front. Uh, I'm going to give maybe a hot take. Another way to leverage off of Pierre-Luc Dubois is to just play Ryan Johansson. Uh, he is set up in a position to succeed here. I, I know he sucks now and there's really nothing we can do about it. But my God, like if you're saying the power play has to deal with McKinnon, McCarr, Rantanen on the outside, um, and they're going to be missing Arvidsson, who's, you know, arguably a decent, uh, you know, decent player for them. Um, like Johansson's going to have some pretty easy matchups, I would reckon. Um, he's going to have a lot of help at five on five with both Nachushkin and Lekkinen by his side. And he's going to be on the top power play in the bumper spot that, you know, Nazem Kadri used so well. Evan Rodriguez used it pretty well. Like, you know, we've seen guys succeed there who aren't necessarily NHL stars. And for 3,700, Johansson is going to get completely lost um, versus Dubois, I would reckon. Um, and so I'm thinking, you know, play Lekkinen, Ranton, and, and instead of playing McKinnon, you know, for the power play stack, maybe play Johansson and just say, you know, McKinnon maybe gets a couple assists, but he gets outscored by McDavid or something. Um and, you know, you pick up the Ranton in points by him scoring and then, you know, Lekkinen, I think, is a great value at 5,200 there. Um, and Johansson sort of just gives you that salary relief. So that's one way I'm considering it. Um, keep an eye on Ross Colton, too, 2,800. But I, I want to see his role before I start playing him, just with a lot of value available to us on this slate. So uh, ready to move on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, final game, um, we've, like... It just feels like we've already, it's the final game, right? Edmonton, yeah. Vancouver. It just feels like we've already talked about so many star players. It really feels like we got a nice aperitif, I think is the right word on Tuesday. And then Wednesday, they're just, all the stars are out. We got McDavid, 11 and seven, dry cycle, everything you'd want and more. Um, that 11 and seven, I, I really feel like they're kind of just hinting at with the seven defensemen that it's like, this is going to be at Colm Bouchard and Nurse as much as possible with just like, some guys we feel like won't completely kill us fixing in. Um, yeah, I'm excited for this game as, as well as on the other side. We have, you know, Vancouver, who uh, I feel like there's still question marks is exactly what this roster is going to look like tomorrow as there's some fourth liners and third liners that are kind of being moved around. Now, Connor Garland might want to trade all, all that. But this seems like we've talked about so many good spots and this game just feels like a monster good spot in general. So, Matt. What is your lean here to play the McDavid's or not? I, yeah, I'm, I'm very torn because I, I think Pasternak's the best play on the slate. Um, so, you know, with that in mind, that's probably driving me toward simply not playing uh, McDavid, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to build around two of those guys. There's ways to do it. We've talked about it. So on and so on. Um, but I think if you play McDavid, you got to get weird with it. Um, you know, like I love Evander Kane. Uh, it, it, I just don't know that like Evander Kane comes in low owned playing on the nominal top line with uh, McDavid um, with 11 and seven, you know, they're, they're almost certainly going to play only 11 forwards, whether they have seven D is, you know, remains to be seen. But I think if you play McDavid, you got to get weird, you know, maybe like, 
playing him with Dreisaitl obviously is always an option, um, but playing him with Nugent Hopkins, with Hyman, uh, with even Fogel, Holloway, guys like that, like he's going to get mixed around the lineup. And I'm really worried that Evander Kane and Connor Brown simply don't have the the usage floor that we want. Um, you know, especially Connor Brown. Like, obviously, we don't know a lot about his usage. Evander Kane, at least, we know we've seen him before, and he shoots a ton, and, you know, we know his role in Edmonton is relatively safe. But I'm just not sure the ownership uh, discount is going to be there for Evander. Um, so, you know, mid-tier kind of, like, just uh, it doesn't really feel good. Also, doesn't feel good. Evan Bouchard at 6,100 definitely doesn't feel good if they roll seven defensemen. Like, I understand they're probably going to play him and Ekholm as a true top pair. You know, if, if Ekholm misses, all bets are off. Who knows what actually happens? Um, but still, I, I'm a little bit leery to pay this much money on a slate with so much forward value. Um, but maybe we can review defense quick toward the end, you know, now that we're almost done with this game, just to sort of see if there's anything we're missing. Uh, Vancouver side. Did you even talk about Vancouver yet? I mean, like I kind of just mentioned, it just feels like there's some ambiguity to like exactly, exactly what this team's going to look like. But um, I didn't say very much like it. Yeah. It's, it's a pivot. There's a pivot option there on, at least on the the high end of things, you know, uh, not considering the, the possibility is of, you know, these non basically non-important, like, you know, on the six game slate, you're probably not worried about Mikheyev or whatever. Um, but we do feel pretty confident that Brock Besser is going to be on the top power play. Um, 4,400 is not bad for, for that. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, hopeful that JT Miller doesn't really touch the puck as much on the power play this year. Um, I'll actually probably go back and watch some of their preseason clips that I can find of their power play just to get a sense of how they're operating it. But if Pedersen's operating it and Besser's playing the the, the bumper role like uh, we know he will, I do think Besser could actually get some like kind of the Bo Horvat role, just flip the flip the ice uh, horizontally. And for 4,400 against an Edmonton team playing shorthanded at home, I don't think he'll be owned. Like Besser really stands out to me because I think Caulfield soaks up some of that ownership that, you know, otherwise would go to guys like Besser. So I'm really excited about that price. Um, probably just a one-off, but you could also get away with Kuzmenko and Patterson and just hope that Kuzmenko shoots 30% for another season. Um, he's priced, you know, appropriately. Everyone's too cheap. It feels like on this slate, honestly, like, Oh my God. I mean, they're even, like, I just, there's so many ways to get the stacks in that you want. Um, yeah, no, this is an exciting one. This is, uh, I like this pricing a lot. I mean, Nusha Hopkins had a hundred points last year. He's freaking 5,100 even like it's, it's yeah. just, you could, you could really talk yourself into so many good plays. Um, so why don't we talk about some of our favorites? Uh, I don't really have any much more to add. Like I, I really, I love so many plays here. I, I think comparatively to the three okay. gamer where I was like really, really struggling to find a ton that I was yeah, interested that in. Uh, th- this one, there's, there's a ton. So why don't. Yeah. Uh, real quick. Um, I'm going to list a few D plays because I didn't really focus on D options, um, you know, especially relative to the rest of the slate. And I know we focus a lot on the forwards. Um, so just, just give it an eyeball while I name a few of the guys that, that are catching my attention at this point. Um, I think Kale McCarr is the only guy I would be spending up for. Um, I'm a little bit worried about how strong of a grasp Charlie McAvoy has on the top unit in Boston. But if I had to pick a second guy above 5K, it would be Charlie McAvoy. Um, you know, if I'm not getting all the way up to McCarr. Down a little bit lower, Quinn Hughes at 5,100 is pretty interesting if you're trying to play like a Besser type. Um, I can't imagine Hughes picks up a ton of ownership given... Um, there's going to be bigger favorites on the slate, you know, that are going to see some ownership between Klingberg and, um, you know, honestly, McAvoy probably, and, you know, uh, Bouchard theoretically too. Uh, I would not be surprised yeah. if he got ownership. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm interested in that price getting cheap down the board. Um, I mentioned Klingberg, you know, I think even if he's popular, if you're playing Toronto, just lean into it. Um, if you're not playing Toronto, I probably won't one-off Klingberg. Like, I just don't really want to make that bet. Um, 
but you know we'll see what lineups end up looking like and then the very low end again Connor Murphy 2900 still I mean he's gonna be in play at that price all the time we know you know we know exactly what he is um and so he's probably the standout guy um keeping an eye out for Jordan Spence Brant Clark type news I'm almost certain Brant Clark actually went to the AHL but they had to uh make some uh, roster like uh uh, what you call paper transactions meaning brant clark's not on the slate so assuming jordan spence plays though i think he's a good play at 2500 he could step into a role much very similar to sean Dursey and sean walker from last year where they were just getting it done you know regularly um i think he'll be second power play um you know i don't trust matt Roy to be power played um so you know if jordan spence is playing I'm pretty interested in him at 2,500 as a pure pawn. So anyone yeah. catch your eye defensively? Uh, I guess just a couple of guys. I, I'm kind of like, what? I'll just give you to the first one. I mean, Heronic should be with Quinn Hughes at five on five. It looks like power play two, and he seemingly was going to turn into a pretty good DFS defender. Um, Detroit, you know, kind of moved him over to Vancouver, and they have uh, they gave good price. They paid him, you know, and every other defenseman on this team just seems bad. Cole, Breezebaugh, I mean, their suit sees out. Like, like, I think he could see a ton of minutes. Um, and like, no one's probably playing Heronic at 3,600. So that's one guy that kind of caught my eye. Uh, and then other than that, I mean, I think Morrissey's way too cheap at 5,300. I think I like him a bit more, um, especially if you're just like decide to, I don't think Winnipeg's going to be very expensive. So like him and Connor just seem like they're both really cheap. Uh, and that's, that's probably it. Or else we're just going to kind of, like say every every power play one defenseman seems good, huh? Yes. Yeah, um, yeah makes sense. <laughs> All right. So well, let's stack do... <laughs> exactly. Um, let's do top stacks, guarantee goals, and uh, get on out of here. So uh, yeah, you yeah. Off? I mean, um, sure. Yeah. So I mean, last night I, uh, I, I would say I, I, I once again task failed successfully with my first call of Fleet Forsberg because if you played him in DFS, he didn't score, but he definitely got there with six shots and two assists. Um, I can't remember for the life of me yours, but by the uh, Tommy started, yeah. Novak scored, right? Scored, yes, he did score. And then I, um, and then I had March or so, so we'll see. So we'll see, we will see. So, I mean, off to a decent ish start in that category, stack wise. Um, I think we only did two and neither started yet. So, yeah, favorite stacks of the night. Um, uh, I'll you know go a little bit high and a little bit low. Um, I think that my honestly, you know, I might just go two right on the middle. I, I honestly could see myself stacking this Winnipeg and Calgary Flames game and just going with one on each side. And just then I could still probably get something interesting uh, outside of it. But if I just go with like Kadri, Coronado, and then Connor, Velarde, Morrissey, for example, like I think I'm just going to say that, like that five man both sides game stack, there's still a ton of cap left that I could yeah. do a lot with. So that's something I'm really interested in because I do think this game might be one that doesn't quite get enough love with just how much Boston should get ownership uh, with how bad of a favorite yeah. they are in Toronto. And then I did think Edmonton always gets it like, and I don't really know if this is a game that I want to be fading myself. Yeah. Um, it's some, something to consider as far as game stacks are concerned. I know we talked a little bit in the playoffs last year as a micro edge that like, uh, penalties tended to be higher in like the first few games of the series and then really fall off in games four through seven of a of a playoff series in the nhl they tend to have like even if it's not broadcast publicly sometimes it is we don't know of anything right now but the nhl will tell refs to sort of officiate you know certain calls out of the game be it you know slashes on the hands or something that was a thing you know a couple years back um so penalties tend to be higher in october versus the rest of the month so that means within a game game stacking is going to be more important because uh i say this all the time but it remains true the best indicator of future penalties are past penalties so like if one team takes a penalty the rest are looking for that makeup call the other way it's just human nature it's a bias we see it in every bit of data we look at um meaning game stacks are pretty important in you know dfs and i'm certainly interested in that on a six game slate if you catch the game where there's you know six power plays to five 
um, you're probably going to be better off than, you know, trying to pick and choose from random games. So it's a bit of a tiebreaker more than it is like you must game stack, um, but it's something that I tend to do uh, a fair amount. So I will take for my first stack uh, Boston, um, Pasternak, and Zaka. Um, Tack on Charlie McAvoy if you wish. Um, I'm just betting on the huge pasta year. I think Zaka gets there with him. Um, and I also think, you know, we haven't seen it yet, so I'm I'm watching Wednesday or Tuesday very curiously, but I think Chicago could be a bit more fun this year um, as far as just like they're not going to roll over and play dead. They have these offensive pieces now with Reichel and Bedard. They actually could score, could compete, and they have nothing defensively. So uh, let's see Boston go for an explosion courtesy of David Pasternak. Um, what's your second stack? Oh, I, that was both. I did both in one. Oh, Oh, okay. So you were saying Winnipeg is one and Calgary is the other. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were saying you wanted a game stack as one of your stacks. Okay, fine. Sure. Um, I'm going to go with the creative Colorado angle that I came up with uh, on the spot of Johansson with Lekkanen, um, sort of the five on five and power play stack um, with Miko Rantanen as just the power play trigger that saves you some money off McKinnon. Um and, you know, it's, it's kind of a bit more affordable, um, just saving 2000 there. Um, I like that. You could even tack on Cal McCarr instead if you want 7500 very similar price points. I, I just think Ryan Johansson, going to be overlooked, has multi-goal upside in his role, um, could be the Nick Paul of the night, if you will. And so I, I like that given a relatively low ownership spot against LA that's uh, playing shorthanded. So guarantee me a couple goals. Yeah, there's so many freaking options here. I mean, just so much in this mid-range. Um, I am going to start with uh, William Nylander at 5,900. Nice. Um, this guy this guy is just, again, like so many guys feel mispriced. This this is one that feels mispriced. Yep, uh, I agree with you there. Um, I will take Brock Besser, 4,400. Um, feel good about him starting off 2023 the right way versus uh, last year where he did not start it off the right way, nor did he finish it the right way. You know what? Let's move on. Brock Besser. Okay. I'll, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of options here. Um, and I'll go a little bit, maybe more unique and hopefully a guy that if you are betting goals outright is maybe not quite as high. I'll go Pavel Zaka um, against Chicago. You know, this guy definitely does have a good shot. Uh, 21 goals last year and yeah i'll go with, I'll go with zaka at 4100 4500 and yes leave a little bit left on the table all right um i will wrap things up uh with 6600 i will take sebastian aho 6500 um you know not not a huge proponent of playing this game but for the price i think sebastian aho getting a goal is is, is a pretty good bet so um, i'll take aho and uh feel pretty good about uh, my guaranteed goals here so uh, anything else you want to say before we head into our i guess we can call it heading into our wednesdays as we finish watching the tuesday slate unfold no i i mean i i'm not sure if i had quite the sweat i was hoping for as we finish up but i was like man i got two teams way up near the top but i don't think i'm gonna quite get there um i got hopefully a little bit more unique because yossi goal getting called back probably is what's gonna gonna cost me anything too substantial but if you're in the not in the discord and you want to tilt um you know not quite winning big prizes i know a perfect spot it's the discord um perfect twitter dms are like all messed up i had a couple people that were like hey how do i get in this thing just just at me on twitter i guess because they're like i can't dm you uh what can we check do? check your settings uh, i i checked this today Go to Twitter settings, your messages, hit the little settings thing. And Elon set a filter that allows message requests from, you need to select everyone. Uh, the default everyone. is verified users. Is that the case for you too? It is. So wow. once you fix that, that'll be, they'll be able to DM you. Yeah. Fucking Elon, right. man. Dude, Just like, wow. DM me. Uh, yeah, there yeah. we go. Never met Beautiful. him, but... But right. but that but that works. DM me away, or I mean, you can still just add me. I really don't care. Whatever you prefer. Yeah. Really up to also, you. check the uh, check the MSP account too, if you uh, if you can. Um, in any case, uh, yeah. With all that said, uh, be sure you're following us on Twitter. Um, you know, uh, DJ did a uh, 
uh, spaces that was pretty fun um i was working so i couldn't participate despite dj's cries for uh for me to speak up so uh, my apologies there dj i heard you and i was like no i gotta finish this so i can podcast later um so Fair enough. and anyway um let's let's close out the show there i think we said all the things we'll be back uh, again tomorrow so um yeah let's uh let's do it again uh three days in a row four days if you count the preview um so good things to come for the morning skate podcast uh thank you all for listening from doug from dj from myself have a good sleep everybody and we will see you